0: Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. This episode is with one of my friends and colleagues, Dr. Julie Granger. She is a physical therapist with an extensive background and degrees from Emory and Duke, with over 12 years of experience running a successful physical therapy and online health and business coaching practice. She combines these credentials along with her personal experience of being a sought-after writer, speaker, and teacher, which she achieved while discovering freedom from the physical and emotional grips of cancer hormone, and mental health challenges. Dr. Julie Granger loves to help physical therapists and health professionals get clear on creating a career they love that inspires them, pays what they deserve, and reflects what they truly value. She doesn't believe that building a fulfilling practice and career comes from never-ending series of courses, paychecks, or certification. And Julie really embodies her value of freedom. Uh, She travels full-time with her husband and pups in an Airstream throughout North America, which I think is so incredibly cool. She loves to do anything outdoors from hiking, cycling, paddle paddle boarding, or just playing with her dogs. Uh, She also loves playing the clarinet, which I didn't know about before uh, this, and doing art, visiting farmer's markets, and cooking amazing meals. This episode really gets into her history on conquering and overcoming cancer and her background from going from a physical therapist in a traditional practice to having her own business and inspiring others. This is great for anybody along their health and wellness journey, anybody that needs some motivation to get outside of their comfort zone. I really thoroughly enjoyed this episode. So hopefully you like it too. Julie, welcome to the little by podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited, too, because I wanted to share your story with our audience, and um, we've had some good conversations, both as entrepreneurs, talking about leadership and mindset, and I'm really excited to have you as a guest, and I wanted to start by kind of hearing a little bit about your story, and I know we're going to be talking about it from a personal and professional standpoint, Mm -hmm. so... Let's just get to know you. Tell us your story. Well, I, um,
1: so I was a collegiate swimmer and I've always had that athlete, go-getter, high performer mentality. And after college went to physical therapy school. So my background is physical therapy. Um, and you know, was at the top of my class and got the best job right out of school, was always climbing the ladder, you know, checking the boxes. I'm sure you know nothing about that. <laughs> um, and right. And I, uh, ultimately, you know, landed this amazing job, just two years out of school, super sought after type of practice where like everyone there is the expert, you know, in their little niche. And, um, it was the type of place where, Uh, we were, we were paid on commission. So you were paid to work harder and work more, If you can imagine it's the go-getter athlete mentality, how that went down, which was totally, oh, great. I get more recognition and pay for doing more. I will do as much as possible. So life looked like, you know, working 12, 13 hour days in patient care, bringing all my notes home. Uh, and you know, my husband was constantly saying, this is not sustainable. This is not sustainable in the background. Um, didn't listen. I was like, this is just what it's like to be amazing at what you do. Well, flush forward a couple years into it, I was taking like my 800th continuing education course. Cause I love learning and, uh, got home. I hadn't been feeling very well. My brain was really foggy. And, um, I just, I hadn't even been able to focus at the course. I had to go into the bathroom a couple of times just to breathe and like calm down. And that night, I woke up in the middle of the night having just an extreme panic attack. I thought I was dying. They rushed me to the hospital. I got the full cardiac workup. Everything was negative. And they concluded it was just a panic attack. Um, Sent me home with bottles and bottles of Xanax. And I was in this Xanax fog for uh, a couple hours trying to figure out what to do because I never missed work. That was like a no-no. And I remember texting and erasing and texting and erasing and texting and erasing, you know, the three dots on the phone, right? It's probably looking like that. Um, Just trying to find the perfect thing to say to my boss because I was like so afraid they were going to be mad at me for missing work. Um, Needless to say, I didn't go in. But I realized in that moment that I was more worried about what was going on at work than I was about my health. Gosh. And Mm. it was this moment where I was like, oh my God. (laughs) like I'm not practicing what I preach like it truly was a wake-up of just I was more humiliated about missing work than I cared about my body um and so I took like I ended up taking a week off and recentered hired a um, amazing life coach slash, slash therapist and um, got a lot of support actually did start taking an antidepressant because I was like I I really want to be able to like bridge the gap here. Like I want to do the work and put in the, the personal growth and therapy work, but I, I really like also want to function, yes. you know, in my job. Um, and, and it was probably one of the best decisions I made. Um, cause I, I think not like trying to gut through it, it, would have just been really, really difficult. Um, and so did that for a year, did so much reinventing of how I approached life, let go of a lot of things set boundaries, um, and lo and behold, the job didn't get any better, but I did. And I learned along the way that I needed something else, but I didn't know where to go. And so I was like, I'll just stay in this job, I'll just I have a new mindset, I'll just kind of like show up, do my work, and go home and not like overdo it. Well, the universe knocked on the door and gave me an opportunity to leave the job about a year later when I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh And I needed to go on disability leave. And disability leave was, and I mean this with love for anyone who's been on disability leave, it was like the greatest thing ever in a way because I was getting paid to rest and take care of myself. Uh, And the cancer I had was what's called an inflammatory myofibroblastic tumor, which is a very long name for sarcoma, a really rare sarcoma. And it was contained within the entire upper lobe of my right lung. Um, it was pushing on a lot of really vital structures. So I obviously couldn't work. I couldn't breathe. I, it was like terrible. I was so sick. Um, and I, it, it caused me to faint. Like I, I, I was really, it was dangerous for me to like even try and walk. I was so, so sick. Um, so obviously took time off of work and um, did chemo. Um, within a month of the chemo is a really cool genetically targeted chemotherapy. The tumor shrank by 50%. Uh, and, uh, what was really cool about that chemotherapy was I didn't lose my hair. Um, it only targeted the cancer cells. So I didn't have your traditional side effects for that. And I was able to kind of like get back to work. And and when I started to get my energy back, I decided not to go back to that job. I made a really brave choice to just leave it and actually kind of live it up for three months on disability leave. And then while I was in the shower one day, I realized I didn't know where I was going to go, but if I really wanted a job that was going to be. How, that fit my needs and my boundaries and my values that I was going to have to create it. Um, and I always said I'd never be an entrepreneur because I'd seen how all my friends who are entrepreneurs had burned themselves out and worked themselves to death. But I decided to do it really differently. I was like, okay, well, first of all, I'm going through cancer treatment. And I don't really have time to overdo it. Um, and that ship has sailed in my mindset anyway. So I don't really need to overdo it. I can you know, do just enough and feel good. You know, and so I started out of a guest bedroom in our house, seeing clients and, you know, within three months, just by having, I think, like a really positive mindset and being really into community relationships, which I know you are too. um, I built my practice up to completely booked, um, completely booked for me being like, you know, uh, five or six patients, two and a half days a week and was able to replace my income. And what was interesting was, I built it up and then my oncologist was like, it's time to have surgery to remove your tumor. So I closed my practice, um, had surgery to remove my tumor. It was a very big surgery. It was 10 hours long. They removed not just the part of my lung with the tumor, but also ribs, part of my sternum, um, part of my collarbone, had a total chest wall reconstruction. I was in the hospital for 10 days, ICU, all the things. Um, And then I had to do radiation after that. uh, And, somewhere in the process, they'd put in hardware in my surgery. I broke the hardware. So we had to have that removed. There's a lot of ups and downs uh, after the surgery. But the point was I, 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 you know, very lovingly put my work on hold so I could heal and open and close my practice over the course of that cancer treatment and recovery three times. And every single time bounced back stronger than before. Um, Mostly because of mindset, I think, and really just honoring what was most important to me and my clients, and doing as much as necessary but as little as possible. So I have the do more with less mentality. So now that got me. Um, I was a physical therapist practicing for a while, in my own practice. Knew I wanted to do something bigger, more remote. Started. Uh, I got trained as a health coach, branched into women's health coaching, uh, focusing on like high performing female athletes, and then eventually um, just. Saw that I had a knack for mindset coaching, uh, like life coaching, spiritual coaching, and business coaching all together. So now I've built a practice that blends all three of those, all virtual. And my husband and I, um, we travel full time in an airstream, and so I coach from the road. Super fun. And <laughs> you other sold.
0: Entrepreneurs. And you sold your house and your things to get this. We did when you got the airstream. We, um,
1: Yep. We, um, in fall of 2019 so about a year and a half ago, we, um, sold our house, everything in it. And we were really creative. So we took the profit from the house, which was in Westmontown near your practice. Um, and we paid off $150,000 of my private school student loan debt, um, like all in one fell swoop. And it was so freeing and so liberating. Um, something rare. Like most people can't do it that way. So we were very grateful and blessed and, um, have been full timing in the Airstream for a year and a half now. Yeah.
0: I love following all of your Instagram (laughs) posts and stories. I just, I hope one day I have the opportunity to do that. I think it's just, it, it's amazing how little you really need.
1: Right. I know we live in 187 square feet. We're actually, we just put a um, contract down on a house.
0: You uh, did. We're going
1: to we're going to live part-time in, um, Western North Carolina in the mountains. Um, but, uh, we'll still travel, but we wanted to have a place for our dogs where they could, um, run around, have a yard. And that's one of the downsides of, uh, full-time travel is, uh, you know, a place for the dogs to safely run all the time and, um, and water, uh, things like laundry and like long showers. And I can shower in the airstream for sure. But, you know you have you're kind of limited in how
0: long you can do it, so that's yeah. super exciting. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I wanted to go – because that was a lot in your story that was all really good. And I wanted to go back because I think there's one thing that I hear with my patients a lot just because of being in functional medicine and really trying to do things naturally. You mentioned, like, at the time, you really needed the antidepressant. And Mm -hmm. you did that paired with the coaching and the counselor and therapy and Mm -hmm. all of that. And I think that's a really key takeaway for our listeners is – there's no shame in needing medication because that can help you get over the hump to allow all the work to be more effective. So I'm glad that you were open and shared that. I think that's great. And then the next kind of big thing in your story was the cancer diagnosis. Did you get diagnosed with cancer pretty quickly based on your symptoms, (laughs) that shortness of breath that you were experiencing, or were you kind of not feeling great for a while before the diagnosis?
1: That's a really great question. It's a great functional medicine story. So And I left that part out actually. So piggybacking off of what you just said, I did the antidepressant and that was really kind of the first time I was like treated for something in a long time in my health. I mean, I had all these issues, but like where I really took charge and was like, this is what we need to do. Uh, a couple months, like six months before I was diagnosed with cancer, I started to get this like esophageal problem. Um, and it turned out it was candida. Um, and, uh, they put me on antifungals and that wasn't making it go away at all. In fact, I think it got worse because nobody told me, Hey, don't eat sugar. (laughs) Like I didn't know I kept eating whatever, you know, candy, sugar things. And so I was introduced by a friend to a functional medicine provider and, uh, sure enough learned I wasn't supposed to be eating sugar. Um, which was really interesting because sugar also feeds cancer and as soon as I went on the what we would call the candida diet, what, the candida went away, but the cancer symptoms just skyrocketed. I was running a fever all the time. I'd lost like 15 pounds and I'm a very petite person, so I didn't have a lot of weight to lose. I'd lost my periods. I was just exhausted. Um, it wasn't until I'd never actually had shortness of breath until right until I started fainting with anemia. It was a cough. I had this dry cough, like this constant dry cough because the tumor was pressing on my windpipe. Yeah.
0: Gosh. And how did your mindset like when you got that diagnosis? Was it a big shock? Like were you very surprised? No. no? You kind of intuitively no. knew.
1: I intuitively knew. Well, we knew there was a we knew there was a mass in my lungs. Somewhere along the way with the candida, I'd gotten a CT scan. Um, with, like, trying to diagnose things, and we saw it. And I'd actually known about it since I was young. So we thought it was scar tissue from maybe having had tuberculosis as a child, which now we look back and know it was cancer. The particular tumor is one you start with when you're very young, and it can grow with you for decades before it even, like, manifests symptom-wise. And so... We, um, I, we were, we had been doing a workup, but it took a really long time for them to land on this diagnosis because it's so rare. Only a hundred people in the United States are diagnosed with it a year. Um, and so I got sicker and sicker and sicker. I, I, in a way I was kind of falling through the cracks in the system. And it was actually a functional medicine provider who she was the only one who would listen to me. Like, I was like, okay, I'm really sick. I'm like passing out <laughs> what's happening. And she was actually the one who just ran a normal, you know, blood panel. And I was, she was like, wow, you're anemic. You need to go to the emergency room right now. Like, it's really bad. You need a transfusion. And, um, you know, it was literally the next day I fainted. It ended up getting admitted. Um, They sent me home from the ER, but I I got admitted the next day because I'd fainted. And through lots of pieces of the grace of God, truly, um, the right oncologist read my chart at the right time who happened to know about this very rare tumor and I was diagnosed and she, when she came in to my room, it was like seven thirty at night. She actually came after hours because she felt it was so important to obviously tell me in person. And when she told me the thing that I felt was nothing but relief
0: to have a diagnosis and to have a, a plan of care.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. Like to have a, a name for it. And she was like, I'm confident you will beat this. It's going to be really hard, but you can do it. Um, and she was so, her confidence, I think, and for anyone who's a provider out there, her confidence was all we needed. You know, mm-hmm. she was like, you know, you might not beat it, but you probably will. And I'm not worried about it. It's just going to be really messy to get there. Just heads up. And it was, <laughs> but um.
0: So you you had this tumor even when you were a collegiate swimmer, like you were doing endurance swimming at a college level with a tumor in your lung, which I, I think is really pretty remarkable. And I wonder if you just had so much lung capacity too, that you weren't as symptomatic when you were even younger. Right. I know We, we, it's such a, it's kind of a
1: fun exercise, like imaginary exercise to go back and be like, Ooh, but what if you know, or like, what if we caught it earlier or what, you know, or what if it was treated? And, you know, it's interesting. I think you're right. Like my body, the body's so able to adapt. Like I functioned at a really high level and was very, very good as a swimmer. And there I was diagnosed with asthma in high school that we now look back and we're like, that was probably a tumor. Um, but you know, there's little pieces that they were like, Oh, it's exercise induced asthma. And I, I lost my ability to do longer distance swimming races at some point, which was probably the tumor, you know? Um, but ultimately I still did great, you know, with it.
0: And I know ultimately the disability, the short-term disability or long-term disability was a blessing for you, but how did you feel originally because work really had become your identity for several years it sounded like from your story
1: yeah and then
0: you ended up finding peace and enjoyment and restoration in that disability period but how did you originally feel was it something that you kind of looped in the therapist and the life coach was it something that you knew that your body needed so it was it was positive from the beginning like how was that transition for you
1: yeah that's a great question i um honestly, it was a no brainer. And I, uh, one of my coworkers, like I, I had been working with a patient as a physical therapist. I was, I remember this so clearly I was demonstrating a squat and I'd started the anemia had really started to ramp up. It's before I fainted, but it was like a month before that. And I just, I was so lightheaded all the time, even just standing there, you know, with a patient. And I walked into her office and she was like, I think you need to take disability leave. And I was like, I think you're right. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, it was just, it was, again, one of those, almost like I needed to hear it from someone else because I wasn't going to think of it. But as soon as someone said it, i it was, yes, of course, that's what I'm going to do. And I I couldn't get the paperwork filled out fast enough. I really wanted to go home and rest. And I think the mindset piece I had done for the year before that is what helped that be a no-brainer. I knew that my patients would be fine, that... Um, You know, my income would be okay. There was nothing to really worry about except for myself at that point. Like that moment a year before that when I was like texting or racing, I think that really was the last time I ever did that. It was like, okay, work does not come first anymore.
0: And was there any big changes you made on your health journey at that point besides the the mind-body connection? Like did you do any dietary changes or exercise or stress changes or supplements or anything that was pretty remarkable on your health journey? With the cancer, the cancer, the mindset, kind of any of that. Yeah.
1: The mindset initially, um, I was. What I actually was really interesting. The timing was. Um, I I'd also undergone a biopsy for a breast um, cyst, which was benign. Um, and the physician I spoke to really, really interestingly, she was like a holistic gynecologist. Uh, she was like, you should try gluten-free. I had no idea at the time why she told me to do that. Like, I, I didn't know what it meant. And um, I was like, sure, okay, whatever. So I, d- I was gluten-free. That's the only thing I changed when the panic attacks had come in. And um, I kept it up. And so by the time it was time for like candida diet, which was six months after the panic attack started, it wasn't that big of a transition, but I would say that there was a lot I needed to learn about like I kind of took the athlete mentality and the candida diet and maybe went a little too cold turkey with it. Like, I, I think I should have like ramped my way up um, a little bit instead. Cause I, I was basically eating nothing and, you know, calorie deficient was not, not the way to go for me. Um, but the other things I did from the candida, I mean, I was on like, gosh, every supplement you can think of for that. It was like, I was saying like 30 pills. And so What's great about that was that was really all of those things, except for like the um, kind of the, like the berberine, the, um, you know, the antifungal, all of those things supported cancer Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So I just kind of kept going with it and kept going with it. And we would add things like a lot of anti-inflammatory stuff um, for the cancer because it was a very inflammatory tumor. Um, So that's really all we added supplement wise. Uh, lifestyle wise, I was, oh my gosh, like my sleep was dialed. The exercise was just the right amount to keep me healthy. Strength training. I was meditating, journaling. I still do all that. Um, like I haven't lost it. And I I was just like the name of my life was self-care. I was like the poster child for it.
0: I love that. And I think when you mentioned earlier the sugar for both the candida and the cancer, I think that's one of the most important things that people can do if they get the diagnosis of cancer is is really looking at sugar. And I know now a lot more oncologists are talking to their patients about that. Uh Did your oncologist ever talk to you about dietary changes or is this something your functional medicine provider helped you with or? Yeah, that's a great
1: question. I was seeing the functional medicine provider before I got plugged in with oncology so I deferred to her for that. Um, and the way I saw, I also had a health coach at the time. who's was like a functional medicine one. And the way I saw it was they were there to help me build the terrain that was supportive of cancer, um, not just like beating cancer, but just like getting through all the treatments and the rigors of it. Um, and my oncologist, you know, I would bring up things like supplements and it just wasn't in her training and wheelhouse you know, it's, it, she was so good at so many other things, but you know, it wasn't in her vocabulary at the time. I don't know if that's changed for her. Um, so I didn't discuss it with them too much, although they did always have this laundry list of supplements on my, like, you know, my, uh, medication list, but she never really said I sh- couldn't take them or I should take them. It was so just really kind of just
0: like having a team based approach, there.
1: a team based approach was really important. I had not just the functional medicine, the health coach, the oncologist I had massage therapist that I saw weekly. I, cause I would get some swelling and of course pain. And I had a physical therapist of my own and I had a personal trainer, a Pilates instructor. I I really was the poster child for self-care. I like dedicated my life to, um, taking care of myself. And
0: that's not surprising given the athlete mentality. (laughs) Which I think is so awesome with what you're doing now. And that was the other piece that I kind of wanted a timeline because your entrepreneur journey kind of changed over the years. So first doing one-on-one physical therapy, then working with health coaching and women. What were the years of that, like each of those phases? Like, is this something you've just been doing over the last three years or has it been a five-year journey? Oh, yeah.
1: It's been a um, six-year journey uh, from opening the business, it's still the same business. It's just changed, you know, what I do within it, um, to now. And I think, let's see. So for the PT business, it was about two and a half years, maybe three that I was seeing PT clients, um, out of my home. And then somewhere in there, I added in health coaching. So I was doing both at the same time. And then towards that three year mark, with health coaching uh, and PT, I actually started getting a lot of mindset and business coaching clients. And I saw that's where I was kind of like, okay, like we need to kind of switch gears. Um, and that's when we started setting goals to live full time in the Airstream and like for me to be in a total virtual business. And I, I saw this sort of like trajectory that there was a lot of possibility for my life that would make life just totally amazing all the time. Um, not that it wasn't, but even more amazing. And so I, I let go of the PT clients, the in-person ones in, I think it was December of 2018. Exactly. And, um, I think that's right when I met you actually. And then, um, I, uh, transitioned into, I still had a lot of health coaching clients transitioned into mostly business coaching right after that. And haven't looked back kind of weeded. It's like, let the health coaching clients, they just kind of like worked their way out. I just stopped marketing towards that and worked up the business and mindset coaching, you know, the last like two years pretty much.
0: And I think that's just such a great example of how you don't have to be static and everything can constantly be evolving. Was there anything you could share that helped you kind of identify some of the changes to make within your business? Like how did you keep yourself kind of constantly evolving and changing? Is it journaling, checking in with yourself, uh, a business coach? Like what were some of the big components that helped you kind of evolve your business over the years?
1: All of the above. Uh, I would say that the first and foremost is a really robust, steadfast, uh, checking in with myself, journaling, meditating, like being with the universe kind of practice and letting that dictate decision-making. Like it's always value driven. I'm always looking at my values. Is this in line with my values and values can evolve obviously. And they did along the way. Um, and, but you know, somewhere along the way, I think it was right about 2017. I, I knew I needed like an, a coach. So looked into business coaching, hired a business coach as well. Um, and really so I've always had coaches like along this way. I've had life coach, health coach, business coach. I've never been without a coach because again, athlete, you know, it's like, you don't go to the Olympics without a coach, you know? Um, and, uh, I think that's been a really instrumental thing because I, even though I do business coaching, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's important to have t- t- a team that can see the blind spots. You can't see.
0: Yes. I love that. Yeah, I think it's really, I think where you've evolved your business, it's been so fun to watch on the outside and kind of see mm-hmm. your business evolve. And even just like looking at your website, like I've loved the changes you've made with your website over the last couple of years and yeah. um, some of the speaking engagements I've seen you do. It's just, it's it's really inspiring, I think, for all entrepreneurs out there to realize that things can constantly evolve and change and you have to be open to that change to have that happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, really kind of putting yourself as an athlete and everything that we've talked about so far and that kind of high functioning entrepreneur, are there certain kind of non negotiables that you have with your own health now that you could share? Like, is there certain boundaries or lifestyle things or a morning routine? Kind of walk us through some of the things you do to help you be as, as high performing mm-hmm. as you are.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, sure. So I definitely have a morning routine. I don't see, I don't do client calls before 11. I don't do any calls, any team calls, meetings, nothing before 11 in the morning. I like to not wake up to an alarm. Um, although I do have two dogs, so they are kind of the alarm. Um, so I do have to get up and help walk the dog. Um, and then I, I usually journal, meditate, read some type of like personal development or spiritual book. Um, And so that's kind of like my morning every day. I only do client work on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and a half day on Thursday. Uh, And so that's a non-negotiable, except for in very rare occasions, I might do something outside of that window. Um, And then I have what I call CEO time, which is also non-negotiable, definitely Monday and Friday's. Um, where I'm working on the business and usually Thursday afternoon as well. But what's nice about the CEO time is it is flexible and that I can put in like my own, uh, doctor appointments, like things that, you know, I need to do as well, but I'm very careful to not like overload myself with that because it can be exhausting, you know, to be constantly running around town, trying to get things done. Uh, thankful for telehealth now with that, that, that makes that a lot easier as a patient. Um, and um, other non-negotiables are I close down my laptop at 5 p.m. I actually use the dogs as my bookend. So dog walks happen at 5 um, when it's not daylight savings. And then um, my husband and I have dinner and then we you know, have us time. So it's very rare that I work late at night. It's just maybe a couple times a year. That's it. Where there's just a big project that you know I need sixteen a sixteen hour day, Um, and because it just throws me off, you know, I my sleep gets off and stress gets wonky when I do that. Um, It's not that fun.
0: Yeah, I think it's amazing to wake up without an alarm. It's so good for cortisol levels, your stress hormone, to (laughs) be able to just kind of wake up naturally. And I know the dogs help you with that, but I. (laughs) <laughs> I like that you kind of have control over your schedule, and that's a big thing that you do um, on, a, on a daily basis. I think that's great. And one of the things and why I wanted to have you on the show is we were really talking about one of your kind of favorite quotes, and you told me that you want to start before you are ready or that that's something that you often tell your clients. And so I wanted you elaborate on start before you are ready. What does that mean to you, and, and what do you tell your clients about that kind of statement?
1: Yeah.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Well, you know, I can't remember who said it. I want to say it's Gabby Bernstein, but I'm probably misquoting. Might've been her. She's probably said it before, which is, you know, successful people don't wait till they're ready to start. They, they start before they're ready. Um, And ready is such a personal and relative word, but what I see and, you know, coming out of my own mindset journey, I was like the quintessential overachiever and perfectionist. I wouldn't start till something was perfect. Right. Or I wouldn't do it because it felt too overwhelming if it wasn't perfect. And so you miss a lot of life when you're waiting on that readiness, whatever your definition of ready is. And chances are, you know, I am really into intuitive wisdom I mean, you've probably heard me talk before. I'm like, ah, oh, my intuition said blah, 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 blah. This is the lab I need you to draw for me, right? And sure enough, it shows up and it's like abnormal, right? Like I just kind of am plugged in that way. And so I have a deep trust in myself that whether you believe in God or the universe, like I believe in both. And so I'm like, it's going to have my back no matter what, like God, the universe, I am ready. I don't need to have all the tools within me. I don't need to have all the answers. They will come to me when it's appropriate. Um, I just need to be present and show up and listen. And, you know, I think that it looks like a lot of courage. It looks like a lot of letting go of control. It looks like a lot of surrender and trust. Um, and that has been the biggest reward that I have seen as an entrepreneur, which is, you know, I think it. you don't want to start before. It's like, you don't want to jump too early where you're going to like shoot yourself in the foot, but don't wait until things are perfect. So there's this happy little zone in there that's right before you're ready. And what I teach my clients is start when you're at about 51% confidence. Um, that's that happy zone where, yeah, I mean, you might still need to, you might still have some fear. You might still feel uncomfortable, but you can both feel uncomfortable and have enough confidence to move the needle. It's just a matter of being more committed to your confidence than you are to your fear. And all you need is a simple majority at that point, 51%, uh, in order to move to the other side.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I feel like that is something that I feel like personalities probably... Play a role in that. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I know for me, it's much easier to jump into things than it is for my husband. My husband really wants yeah. things researched, and he really wants things well thought out. So when I went to Open Stat, he was like, "Well, where's your business plan? Where's all your projections? Yeah. What's your twelve-month goals?" And uh-huh. for me, I'm like, "Well, I just intuitively know that this is what right. I'm supposed to be doing, and it feels right." And so I feel like that is something that is, is also learned. And I think also personality plays a role. Have you found any kind of tips with your clients to help them kind of gauge that 51% confidence? Cause I really love that, that you can be confident and fearful at the same time. And mm-hmm. honestly, that's probably a good balance because you want a little fear, uh, so that you don't make too many mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, caution,
1: caution. Yes. Great. Of course. Healthy caution. Yeah. um, I love to, um, it's such a simple one, which is think of a time where you felt that uncertainty creep in and where you felt fear and you took action anyway. Can we borrow from her? If it's a, a, a female or like a person who identifies, can we borrow from that person that day? Can we borrow whatever it was that got them going? What was it? You know, and, and normally it's, the next piece I have people look at is what are your values and what is your vision in life? What if that vision already existed for you? You just have to open your eyes and step onto the like trail and start hiking towards it. You know, like it's already there The it's all there. You just need to do it. And a lot of people think that kind of like what you said, your husband does. It's like, I have to have a plan for it. It's gotta be planned out and people do thrive in that direction too. So that's not wrong. Um, but You know, there's a piece of maybe you don't need all the plans. Maybe you don't need it all drafted out. Maybe you need to draft it as you go. And the analogy I love to give people is you draw the blueprint, you build the plane, and you fly the plane at the same time. And as you're flying the plane, you can figure out back on the blueprint, oh, you know what? Actually, I want to have this part of the engine instead of this part. So you get to use that trial and error a little bit. Um, and use the concept of, of failing. Right. But I don't, I teach my clients. There's no such thing as failure. You can only learn from it. You can only learn a lesson. And so it's becoming comfortable with that. There's no such thing as failure. I'm just here to learn and listen to my intuition. And when people can get firm on that, then 51% confidence comes in. All right, that's simple. Let's do it. We'll figure it out as we
0: go. And I feel like that can really be applied even outside of business. That can be applied to our health, our life, our marriages. Um, And I feel like a lot of my patients, when I meet with them from a health perspective, people want to know what they need to do 100% of the time. They want exactly what they should eat with each meal to become the best Mm -hmm. version of themselves. And I feel like part of that too is – you can't have everything. You you need to learn. It's a learned behavior, and you have to right. be okay with not eating a perfect meal every single meal because nobody does.
1: You have to just yes. start
0: making that one decision to be – a little bit healthier. And really that's what this whole podcast is about is little by little, a little becomes a lot. And so I love that, um, being confident and fearful at the same time. And if we wait for that a hundred percent confidence, we're going to miss out on so many things So much, as it relates to our yeah. health or life or a marriage. Um, any examples or any kind of thoughts on how that could relate to relationships? Oh my gosh. I mean, with
1: relationships, like I I find with, even in my own relationship, you know, we, we grow together. We've been together for 19 years.
0: (laughs) 19.
1: Yes. We've been married for 12, but together for 19, we started out in high school. We actually met in middle school. And so we started out as children together, which means you can imagine going from child to we're 37 now, like evolving our view on life. And that means that we, we evolved very much together, which has been awesome. And then occasionally, right? Like we evolve in different directions divergent directions and that's also a beautiful thing as long as for for my practice at least in my my mindset of it is not to get too far ahead of myself on that and be like oh my gosh like we have it we disagree on this we need to figure it all out right now and like have it all perfect i still have that little voice in my head and sometimes it's like it's, it's shifting towards 51% confidence, Julie, just let it be messy. Let the universe tell you how to show up. It will be okay. You know, you'll be fine. Um, and you know, trust that in your relationship, it's, it's going to find its way back to the middle, you know, like you diverge, but then you're going to come back together. And it always does for sure. And it's always
0: better on the other side of it too. And I feel like that communication is probably key. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So how did you kind of learn this lesson, the 51% confidence? Is that from your own entrepreneurial journey that you realize it can't always be perfect? You can't always be 100% confident? Or do you feel like you missed out on, on business opportunities or growth because you were worried about the what if? Or how did this kind of <laughs> inspire? I can tell you the exact day. Um
1: So I was, it's actually back to the cancer story. So I was well entrenched in the new mindset, but the cancer, um, when the oncologist said it's time to have surgery, I was about six months into cancer treatment and I'd started my business. And so in my head, I was like, Oh, maybe I'll be able to put off the surgery for like a year, earn enough money to like take time off. It didn't work that way. And so I was a little afraid of my income. I was a little afraid of a lot of things. And the other thing that was going on was at this point, as you can imagine, as you kind of already said, like I was like really well entrenched in the functional medicine world. And I was like, oh my God, I need to do all these things to prepare for surgery, get my body ready, like blah, 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 blah. And I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off with all of those people on my team, like building my supplement regimen and nutrition regimen for surgery. And I remember being on a call with the the same life coach I hired after the panic attacks, just kind of like bragging about all the things I was doing. And she was like, Why are you doing all those things? And I was like, Well, you have to prepare for surgery. You gotta be prepared. I'm gonna be ready. Like I'm gonna conquer this. Like I was going at it like a battle. And she goes, Well, if you look at it like a battle, then it's gonna feel like one. Just this total little dig at my mindset. And I was like, Oh my God. And 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 she said something, I can't remember what she said, but I was still kind of like going back to bragging about all the health stuff I was doing. And look at how proud I was of myself. And finally, she was like, what is all of this about? It's these magic words she said. What is this actually about? And all of a sudden, I felt seen and vulnerable and exposed. I saw her see right through to my soul, which was I was running around doing all these things, yes, to take care of myself. But actually, because I was so afraid of what would happen during surgery, because I'd be on the table, right, passed out, like I wouldn't be in control, And I was afraid that I wouldn't wake up. So in my head, I was running around trying to control something over which I had no no control. And I realized, I remember her saying, how is this uncertainty about surgery and cancer any different than the uncertainty of like, is it gonna rain tomorrow? And she was like, uncertainty is the same. It's the same groove in your brain. And really we're talking about trust, right? Trust is the same groove. The stories we make up about it are what make it feel so dramatic. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're totally right. And it, it was this little shift where I realized I can feel fear and like lack of trust, but all I need is 51% trust in order to move forward. Um, and, and I could I could still work through the fear and you know, heal those little pieces that made me run around trying to be a control freak all the time. And it also helped me see from the functional medicine standpoint, because I know you probably see this with your clients, like I didn't need to do all the things, you know, I, I needed just enough to get me going and then I could let go of the things that I was doing that I thought were helping, but probably were just kind of like icing on the cake at that point.
0: And I yeah. feel like more is not always better. And I feel like sometimes right. we're going for that hundred percent, it can actually, in, in my experience from a functional medicine lens, when my clients are looking for that 100% in their treatment plan, it leads to anxiety, disappointment. Anxiety. And yeah, it's just, I feel like it's, this is so important because nothing in life is 100%. You can't I, I, I at least believe that you don't want to strive for 100% or this perfection because you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be let down. And so I think, I oh think this is a really – it's a good lesson in every area of life is that 51% confidence and being okay with things not always going exactly as planned. And how mm-hmm. – have you seen I'm, – I'm sure you have because every single entrepreneur has – but how has this kind of evolved and helped you when things don't go according to plan with the business? Like, have you ever had to completely change direction? And
1: is it something
0: that I feel like everybody is like, yes, yes. For all of us have to do that at some point, but did some of these lessons that you learned help with that change or how did you handle that when things completely went the other direction?
1: Sure. I mean, first and foremost, when I closed my business three times when going through cancer treatment, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, taking a hard right turn, closing the doors, you know, and that that didn't go as planned. (laughs) And then, I mean, but it went fine. And so, you know, with that piece, it was like, well, if I could do that, close it completely down zero revenue, right. And then build it right back up. Then I can probably get through anything, you know, Um, moving forward. So that was a, a scary thing I went through that as an entrepreneur that was fine and it helped all the other scary things that would come feel much less scary. Um there's another time where it's actually not that long ago. Um in the last year I just started to feel like something was missing in my business. So it wasn't that things weren't going according to plan. Things were going really well. But my, my all of my little self-care practices were starting to trend downward. Um, and I found myself violating my boundaries. And I think that what I was doing was I was trying to find the thing that was missing by working more, like working harder and working more. Like maybe I just need to work harder and see more clients. And so the hard right turn I took was to hire another coach. I realized I was like, Oh, (laughs) I need to do that. And that's a big risk, you know, bringing on a new person. Um, And I felt like it was a no brainer, kind of like when I went on that disability leave, I was like, well, this is what I need to do to take care of myself. Like, duh, that's a no brainer. But it was still uncertain, you know, I didn't know how they were going to do how onboarding would look like training if the clients would like them, you know, Um, and it was, you know what, Julie, all you need is 51% confidence and the two of you will figure it out as you go. And that's exactly what happened. And guess what? I got my lifestyle back and my business like thrived because of it. So it was a letting go, you know, of trying to control everything again and instead just let it be.
0: And there's so many things in life that you just figure out as you go, if you're open to it. And I think also of this from a life perspective for me, my husband and I when we were trying to decide if we were going to have our daughter, I just never felt like I was ever ready for kids. I was like, I don't know if I'm ever ready for kids. And he was like, you yeah. never you're never going to feel ready for kids. And I think that's, that's right. you know, another time that this start before you're ready really applies to my life too. And actually starting a business was easier than me making a decision to have a child. <laughs> um because I oh, just, for sure, for I, sure. you know, and everybody, <laughs> uh-huh. everybody is different. But for me, that was like a really, I was like, I just don't know if I'm ready. And, and we still don't know what we're doing and we figure it out. And, um, if I let fear of having a child, I, I wouldn't have had Emory. So I think that 51, I yeah. got to that 51% confidence that I could do it. And then we jumped. Um, but yeah, I think this is such a good life lesson and how, I think the other big thing that you said, and the more recent story that you shared is you you started finding that your lifestyle, you were kind of bending on your on your boundaries and your non-negotiables. And I feel like so many times I work with patients and it's that slippery slope where it's a little bit becomes, a, you know, <laughs> little by little becomes a lot. And that can be for good or for bad. And sometimes it's just like, oh, I'm going to work a little bit later. And then you're working a little bit later. And, you know, I'm going to have a glass of wine with dinner. And then you're having a glass of wine with dinner every night. And, every you know, night. it can be that mm-hmm. very big slippery slope. Is there... Anything that you did to kind of catch this before it got more severe was, is this just part of your morning kind of, you don't really take calls till 11, you check in with yourself because I feel like so many people, they don't catch on to these small things that are happening until they've kind of spiraled very deep. Is there any way to kind of help with that accountability component?
1: When the little voice creeps in, you know, so you've got to be tapped in to hear the little voice. That's step one you don't hear your voice or you don't hear your body saying, Hey, anyone home? Like, listen to me. Then you can blow right past it. And you know, the way I saw it, like looking way back at the panic attacks part, that was my body's way of being like, enough is enough. And I call it the universe threw a brick at me, like to get my attention. And so paying attention to those tiny little warning spots where you start to slip, right? And you're like, "Oh, I'm a little more tired than normal. Oh, my neck is hurting. Oh, this is bothering me." Like that's where I tend to catch myself. It's not perfect, right? Like there's definitely times where I slip right to that point where I'm like, "Oh, this is uncomfortable." But it's not like a 911 emergency at that point or I'm not like having a panic attack. It's more like, oh, "Ooh, okay, warning signs," right? And I want to I want to get ahead of this before I'm struggling, you know? Um, and so it's easier to make a one degree shift back than to try and make a 98 degree shift back, um, to, to, to center, so to speak. So it's still not a hundred percent for me, but it's definitely just paying attention. And I think the morning routine is very helpful for that. I do a lot of journaling and I'm very honest with myself when I'm to my journal and, you know, it's, it's just, I let myself hear it from myself in a very loving way of, hey, you're doing this to yourself. Like you put it on your plate, take responsibility. And, you know, I may not be able to stop the train right there, but I can at least put the brakes on. And, you know, when you in a train or a boat, when you push the brakes, it'll take a while to slow down. Uh, and in that slowdown period is where I start to readjust back. So I think one thing is to give yourself permission to mess up a few times. It's going to happen. That's how you learn. Um, and every time you you learn, as long as you decide you're going to learn from it, you'll catch it sooner and sooner and sooner and sooner. And then eventually it turns into most of what my life looks like now is I say no, before it even becomes a problem, before it could become a problem. I set the boundary, um, because I anticipated, I hear the little voice come in. That's like, you're going to regret this later. And so I say, no, you know,
0: And I think for me, I will fill my schedule to the brim. Like it's, I feel like it's always, it's like my biggest fault is I thrive when my plate is overfilled. And so for me, I've had to literally put on my calendar time to not work where I feel like most people have to put on their calendar time to work. Um, I have to do the opposite. And Uh I I do think that you have to schedule that time with yourself to really check in and, I know for me personally, and I know not everybody is, you know really thrives in this kind of environment, but I can get so busy where I just am filling my hours and my time with so much work and busyness, and it doesn't allow time for you to check in on how you're actually doing, and so I'm really glad that you brought up that awareness. You have to pay attention to that little voice because if we put too too much noise over it, we won't hear it, and so if anybody's listening that is like me, look at your schedule on a Sunday night and block off time for where you're really going to not work, relax, check in with yourself. It's, it's a huge piece of wellness um, that I really believe in. Well, this For was sure. – This was so good. Is there any parting words or advice that you want to leave our listeners with? I really, I like to end each show with a simple thing that our listeners can do to become a better version of themselves and kind of thinking of that little by little, little becomes a lot in the positive direction. Is there anything else that you want to share from your story, your life, this kind of 51% confidence that can, um, make our listeners better starting today?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll piggyback off of what you just said um, about scheduling in your your time to check in with yourself. Um, what I teach my clients is to actually put that on your calendar first every week. Uh, you know, even if it's five minutes each day, that's like all you can pencil in. Make sure that's at the top of the list, and it's a non-negotiable. So even if it's you know you've shut your eyes and your head's on the pillow, but you're going to meditate for five minutes, fantastic! Like it's literally on your Google Calendar. And that way you've got some personal accountability and then you can tell your spouse or your friends or whoever, Hey, you know what? It's five minute Julie time or 15 minute Julie time. This is non-negotiable. Talk to me when we're done. Uh, and it's, it's a really lovely thing. A small little thing you can do is just make sure you think of that when you look at your calendar on Sunday night first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the first thing you look at.
0: And I think yeah. it goes back to the analogy that you can't pour from an empty cup. And so I like that that's yeah. what you teach everybody to do first, um, because if you don't take care of yourself, you take, can't take care of others. Um, and that includes your spouse, your kids, your friends, um, anybody in your life. So, so I think this this was great. Yeah. And thank you for being so open with your story and um, kind better. of- Everything that you you went through over the years from the antidepressant to the cancer diagnosis to finding the counselors and the life coaches and having a, a village mm-hmm. and a team, I think that's really important that people understand is that really I feel like nobody in life gets anywhere by themselves. And so pulling in the team of people is gonna make a huge impact uh long term. It's the best investment you can make for yourself. Of course. Of course absolutely well thank you Julie thank you for tuning in and as always remember little by little a little becomes a lot even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stout Wellness on Instagram and if you have any questions be sure to reach out I'd love to hear from you